Welcome to the Yeshivat Eretz Hatzvi Haggadah podcast. My name is Morty Friedman, and I'm here with the Rosh Yeshiva, Rav Yehuda Sussman. And we're here today to learn a little about the Haggadah, to help our alumni, our students, and our families prepare for the Haggadah. With that, Rav Sussman, would love to hear a couple of words about the Haggadah, some of your favorite ideas, some ideas that you think that students, alumni from all over the world would appreciate hearing today. Well, it's really great to be here. My favorite part of the Haggadah is actually not part of the Haggadah. It's after the Haggadah is over. It's a minhag which goes back two generations in my family. I don't know of anyone else who has this particular minhag. Maybe someone out there has it and you can write in and let us know. It's something that my grandfather started shortly after the founding of the state. And then my parents took it from him and then it's been passed on to us. My kids even joke about it with anyone who marries into the family and tell them that this is going to be happening and they think that their legs are being pulled. But basically, at the end of the Haggadah, after Haggadah, we stand up, we sing Hatikva, and then we sing Animamin. And that's how we end our Seder. And that's my favorite part, not only because, well, okay, it's over. <laughs> I would love it to continue. But really, when I see, if you if you will, the questions on newcomers' faces as to why we're doing it, or we've even been in hotels and we get up and we sing uh, tikva and people are pretty curious as to why we do it, the deeper meaning for, for us, at least, I think really makes the entire Seder unique and worthwhile and really sheds light on the whole structure of the Haggadah. In other words, there are many ways people end the Haggadah. In other words, we end the Leila Seder with Chagadiyah and Echad Miyodeah. And a lot of Haggadot, there's Shir Shirim at the end, or there's Mishnayot. You know, right. everyone ends differently depending on what they want to do in the rest of the night. But it's not always so simple. Yeah, so what does this do to your Seder? How does it transform your experience? Well, how does it transform? Because my kids have said to me initially, when they begin to understand that we're doing it, because we also do that, don't get me wrong, everything that you've mentioned. And our Chagadiyas have developed, and one of the things that we really take care to do is to when anyone new comes into the family, we try to integrate other people's minhagim into our Seder and create, if you will, an up-to-date Sussman Seder, not to simply have our way of looking at it, even going back to when we were first married, when Louise and I were first married, and we integrated different customs from our different homes. But this particular idea of the uh, tikva, and this really, and this is what I explain to my kids as they get older, and they say, oh, really? Wow, that makes sense. I don't know whether this is what my grandfather had in mind. My guess is that he didn't. But I guess you could say this way. I think that that particular custom started simply because they were just so taken by the founding of the state. We even have a plastic tablecloth it's a collector's item. It was valid for one year. There's no mention of when it was made, but it has various pictures of the Seder, the Ka'ara, and something for Korban Pesach, and, you know, different things of the Simanim, and a map of the partition of the state. So it was from Pesach of 1948, because already Pesach of 1949 it no longer had any validity whatsoever. But there, in that little brief moment of time between November 47 and May 48, that was when that came in. So this is something 
you know, part and parcel of the Seder. I think that's probably why they started it. But that's the deeper meaning. I don't know if that was the only reason. I don't know whether we would still be doing it. Mm-hmm. And it goes to uh, a Yerushalmi, actually. Everyone is aware of this Yerushalmi, or at least part of the Yerushalmi. But the full breadth of the Yerushalmi, people aren't aware of. So the Yerushalmi asks the following question. Yerushalmi asks, what are the Arbakosot, what do they represent? And the Yerushalmi gives four different reasons. Everyone is familiar with, when I say everyone, I think just about everyone. You know, Normally you have to be very careful when you say everyone. But I think everyone is just about familiar with the idea that it's Arbala Shonot Geula. Because Rashi says it, of course. Because so Rashi so quotes it, it, exactly. So Rashi Rashi doesn't quote that it's one day out in the Yerushalmi. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't appear anywhere in the Bavli. It does appear in the, some of the other Midrashim. But here in the Yerushalmi, so Rabbi Yochanan says the Arba Geula. But there are three other opinions. And the three other opinions, each one of them really gives a different angle on the Haggadah. The truth is Rabbi Yochanan also has a very important angle on the Haggadah, and we'll get to that also. But Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi is the second opinion. He says that it's because of the Arba Kosot of Paro, the four mentions of a cup of wine in the dream that the Sar Hamashkin, the butler of Paro, had. So there's only one cup there, really, that he's holding for Paro. But the word Kos appears four times. So Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says, that's Arba Kosot. Okay, so that's a kind of weird thing. Rabbi Levi, there's a third sheet, not Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Rabbi Levi, a different person. So he says that it's Keneged Arba Malchuyot, the four kingdoms that are already mentioned in Vuchanetzer's dream in Daniel that are represented, and there are four kingdoms, and there are four cups. And then the final one, and that's the one, well, I don't know which one is my tikva here, is the Rabbanan. And the Rabbanan say that it's Keneged Arba Kosot Shul Puranut, Shakarish Baruch Atid Lashkot Adumot Olam. There are four cups, and there are psukim that the Medrash continues and gives, a metaphor of cups of punishment and wrath that the nations of the world will drink in the future. And finally, Parallel to that, there are four cups of salvation that the Navi speaks of at different places that the Jews will drink at the end of days, at the time of the Mashiach. So those are your four different opinions. The four cups of Paro, the four Malchiot, and what the Chachamim say, the Rabbanan say, of these four cups. So what does this have to do with my minhag? If you take a look at those four things, because first of all, you see, because they're coming with four different ideas, that none of them think, right? And this is one of the most important things to, to mention, I guess, from a just a methodological perspective. None of them think that this is why we have the Takana of Arbakosot. None of them, including the Arba None of them say, oh, if I count, because if you take a look at the Psukim, the, the, the four Lashonagula, you can count up to seven different Lashonot, right? It's the Hotseite Vitzalti, Ga'alti Vlakachti. But then you have Vehayiti Lachem Lelokim, you have Vehaveti Etchem in Laaretz, Vinatatiota Laachuza. So you have seven. You know, so you can winnow it down if you want, whatever. But it's at least five to seven that you have to pick from, and you pick four. So what's going on? So the four cups themselves, they're just the structure, the skeleton of the Seder. Each one is, has a koshal bracha. You have Kiddush, you have Magid, you have. Birkatamazon, the benching, you have halal. And each one gets a kosher bracha. And that's a halachic concept. This medrash is saying, I know the halachic concept, 
But minayin, what's the deeper idea? Is there a deeper idea? So Rabbi Yochanan, we'll start with him because he's the one that people know. So he says that there are different stages in the development of the Geula, of Mitzrayim. So each one of those stages requires its own bracha. Right? And that's the Hotseiti is different Vahitsalti, etc. And if you don't have a Vahayiti, if you will, or Lakahti Lachem Lilaam, so then you don't have a message and you don't have a, a purpose, a raison d'etre to continue. So there's develop, development. And does that development work within the structure of the Seder? It could, in the sense of not necessarily perfect development, but so for example, there's the Machloka in the Bavli which, as I said, doesn't mention this idea, of which of the cups requires you to lean. Mm-hmm. So one day us as the first two, because that's where the geula is happening. And the other day says, no, it's the last two once the geula has happened. So you already see that in the structure of the Haggadah, the way I'm looking at it is that when I talk about Avadim Hayin Mitzrayim, and I talk about Vachshav, so that's something, okay, it's as though Chayav Kol Adam Mitzrayim. We were all looking at ourselves as leaving, but then we eat. And now once we finish our meal, and we're saying Halel, we're already gone, right? We're saying Halel Mitzrayim. Rav Soloveitchik actually makes this point, and he says that that's why we break the Halel in the middle. Because the first two Prakim deal with the leaving, etc. The remainder of the halal, the last four prakim of halal. So those prakim, you know, there are things that are non-halal-like in them, right? Ana Hashem Hoshiana, the idea of yakar be'ene Hashem ha-mavta You're talking about a challenge that you're overcoming. So there, it's a gu'ula in development. There are definitely different parts of the Seder, and they are represented by different things. The fact that we will say, even though it's a relatively late introduction, we'll say, L'shana habab Yerushalayim, and that sort of ends the Seder. And we take, you know, the Chasal Sidur Pesach, and that's a discussion in its own right, but that's something which is saying, okay, we're taking a look at the end game, if you will, the eschatology of things. I'm getting back, I have to get back to the Tikva. So anyway, so Rabbi Yochanan just simply says, listen, you know, you're celebrating leaving Egypt today? So if we're leaving Egypt, it didn't just mean the Hotseti. There is also a Ga'alti there. There's also a Lakachti Etchem Lila'am. But we stop. We don't go to Vahayiti Lachem Lelokim, because Vahayiti Lachem Lelokim, that's already Sinai. That's already post-Pesach. Shavuot, different and, holiday. And Shavuot, a different holiday. And certainly Vahayiti Etchem Lela'aretz. That's already a different stage, and obviously, you know, we say Dayenu, and we recognize that there is a chain of events that's going to happen, but tonight we're celebrating the Yitziat Mitzrayim. So that's what we're doing, but the Yitziat Mitzrayim itself is multifaceted, and since it's multifaceted, so that's the four cups. That's what Rabbi Yochanan, I think, is trying to say. Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi agrees with Rabbi Yochanan that we're celebrating Yitziat Mitzrayim, but he says that you're a little too... I wouldn't say myopic, but you're a little too short-sighted. You're focusing on the leaving of Mitzrayim. And Rabbi Shulman Levi says, what you really have to do is focus on the beginning before there was even a Shibut Mitzrayim. If there hadn't been that dream, and Yosef hadn't heard that dream, so then the brothers wouldn't have come down. The brothers wouldn't have come down. They wouldn't have met Yosef. 
there wouldn't have been a Shivim Nefesh, Yadu Avotecha Mitzrayma, there wouldn't have been a Shibud, there wouldn't have been a Geula. So what we need to celebrate, even though it's only one coast, but really what we're saying is that God saw the whole picture hundreds of years beforehand, and we're looking at the larger picture, and that's why our Seder is developed, we, you know, we, and we say things along the lines in the text of the Haggadah itself. We'll say, that he was the one, or that we talk about Aramio Vedavi, and we talk about, you know, my father being that wandering Aramean coming down to Egypt. And it's important for us to start there because the picture isn't just the question of leaving Egypt. The picture isn't even a question of the Shibud. It's a question of going back at least to Avram Avinu with regard to the Rit ben and that promise. Which, of course, reminds us of the Machlok at Rav and Shmuel, as right. to what is Matril Begnut, the Messiah Meshvach. What is, you start off with the low, the low points and then the high points. Is it Avadim Hayinu, Shmuel, that you start with Avadim Hayinu, we were slaves, and Vayotzeinu were free? Or is it, no, it's Mitchila, in the beginning, our forefathers were, and now we're here in Israel. Right. So we've got lots of different lenses when right. we... Uh, yeah, absolutely. Seder. So I think that that's what Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi is, is responding, because I remember, actually, the first time I came across Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, we'll get to our tikva. but the first time I came to Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi was, I was in eighth grade, by Bar Mitzvah Sedra Isva'era, where the Arbala Shonot Geula are found. And my parents wanted me to write my own drasha. As they, they should. As they should, right? You know, there's a joke about, at the Brit, you speak. At the Bar Mitzvah, someone else speaks, but it's your words. Mm. And then at the wedding, wedding, you smile and sign the checks. So this, they really wanted me to prepare, and I did. So I went to my eighth grade rabbi, Rabbi Farber, an Argentinian rabbi. Anyway, a character in his own right. So I went to him, and he showed me the Torah Tamima at the beginning. The Torah Tamima doesn't quote the Yushalmi. It just quotes Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi on that Pasuk. I mean, it talks about the Yavr Lashon because that's where it is, but then it goes mm-hmm. to, to Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. And I went, I remember going to ask him, you know, my, my Rebbe at the time, saying, I don't understand this at all. And I really don't remember what his answer was. He just said very cryptically, this I do remember, he said, you know, start from the beginning. That's what he said. And I looked afterwards, try to find if I had the text of my drush. I had no idea what I said. Mm-hmm. No idea. I remember this particular section of the Yerushalmi. I didn't see the Yerushalmi, so the Torah Tamima at the time. Maybe I'm just recreating what my 13-year-old brain came up with together with Rabbi Farber. I don't know. Sometimes better a, a good question that stays in your mind than a bad answer. That makes you forget the whole thing. That so could be. It stayed with you this it long. Stayed, it stayed, it stayed, definitely. Moving on, so Rabbi Levi when he says Arba Malchiyot, you know, he's not necessarily disagreeing with the previous two Dayot, but he's saying that they are looking at the past. They're looking at Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And the Seder is future-oriented. So the Arba Malchiyot, we don't really care about the Arba Malchiyot, whoever they were, you know, there are different, different questions of which kingdoms they were. That's not so important. But what the Arba Malchiyot represent is that they're not here anymore, and we still are. In other words, that it's Jewish continuity. Vihisha Amda is Rabbi Levi. As he's saying, okay, we're still here. And this is what I tell my kids. When you sing Hatikva at the end, you're singing a modern day Rabbi Levi. You're saying, you've had the Arba Malchiyot, you are celebrating your Seder, you've talked about Yitziat Mitzrayim, you've gone through the entire Haggadah, all the way through Chagadiah, your Chasal Sidur Pesach, 
but you are living the Haggadah. You're living that aspect. And it's very important to be singing it. It's represented by Hatikva, that you're standing here, and you know, here it is, the 75th anniversary of that tablecloth's creation, as we're about to do it. And with all the problems that we have in the country and the challenges that we have, now is not the time to talk about those challenges. For sure not. And my guess is that we'll view those challenges differently by the time the Seder rolls around. But be that as it may, that is the essence of Hatikva. That's the Arba Malchiyot. But there it doesn't stop, because if that was where it stops, so then we'd only have three explanations for the Arba Kosot. But then we have the final one, which is the Rabbanan. Because the Rabbanan, more or less, I think, do to Rabbi Levi what Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi did to Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi told Rabbi Yochanan, you're focusing only on the Arba Lashonakula, you're only focusing on this particular event. You have to look at the bigger picture from before. But the Rabbanan tell Rabbi Levi, you're looking at Jewish continuity, you're looking at the fact that you're here right now, whether when Rabbi Levi said it, so it was 150 years or so after the Chorban, 200 years after the Chorban. And the Rabbanan are saying, okay, we outlasted the Egyptians, we outlasted the Babylonians, we outlasted the Greeks, we're dealing with the Romans, but there's a longer game that has to be discussed. That eschatological piece of the Arba Kosot of Puranut and the Arba Kosot of Yeshua, and even some of the Pesukim that are said, Kos Yeshuot Esa, that's one of the Pesukim that's mentioned. So the same way that Rabbi Yeshua Levi took it backwards before the Galut of Mitzrayim started, so the Rabbanan take Rabbi Levi and say, you have to go one step further. We're not only celebrating the fact that we'll say Vehisha Amda. There's also the Shvo Chamatcha Al Agoyim Asher Lo Yida'ucha. That's the Arba Kosot of Puranut that there is some kind of comeuppance that's going to happen. And there's also the Shana Habab Yerushalayim. So that's the Animamin that we sing after Hatikva. And it's okay, we've sang Hatikva. And if we think that Hatikva is the end of the game, so then we're with Rebbe Levi, which is not so bad, per se. But we're not looking at the bigger picture. And so that our Seder really has to be maybe not celebrating it yet, because we're not there yet, but it's celebration and expectation of that. The idea that the Geula La'atid Lavo has its seeds in the Geulat Mitzrayim, so that's really connecting all four ideas. You know, you're taking the, what Rabbi Yochanan said, and you're saying, okay, that's the antecedent, but that it's going to end up being the ultimate Geula, Bimhera V'yameinu. So that's putting it all together. Just as we were talking, there are different parts of the Seder, and this is what I really like loved about this, the Yerushalmi, and, was, and, it, and when I thought about, because I hadn't thought until I learned the Yerushalmi and figured out what I think the Yerushalmi really means, then I had a deeper appreciation for the Hatikva that we'd always been singing. But it's given me a, a different lens on reading the entire Haggadah ever since. Once, once I've had this approach, I look at different parts of the Haggadah, and I say, well, you know, why do we say Vahisha Amda in the middle? And by the way, we hold up a coast when we do Vahisha Amda. Sort of like giving a, a little bit of a tip-off to Rebbe Levi. Right? Saying, you know, here we are. Why do we do that? Why is it so important to say Shvo Hamadcha? Another childhood memory of mine there is like it was 
I was, <laughs> I think I was six. And my older sister, she's eight years older than I am. So she got a really great idea. She snuck me out of the, the house towards the end of the meal. And so that way, when my parents opened up the door for Eliyahu, there I'd be. I just remember being so terrified sitting there. Right? Not because it was a rough neighborhood. I wasn't terrified at all of being outside in my yard, you know, in Teaneck on that April evening. But it was that Eliyahu Hanavi himself was going to come down, right? Chariots of fire, right? Like, you know, hey kid, what are you doing on my beat? You know that type of thing. Anyway, but it's just, but but why do we say it? Like, why do we? Why have we incorporated the whole idea of a kos shaleliyahu? You know, and there are those who understand that as being the fifth, fifth cup. cup. Why is that even as part of a seder at all? And why connect it to Eliyahu Navi? So that is the rabbanon. That's exactly what the rabbanon are doing. So, and you can find these strands throughout the Haggadah at different points. So, I really think that whether or not it was consciously part of the makeup in terms of saying, "Oh, we have four shitot as to how to understand the Arba Kosot," or just simply because these four shitot are giving expression to what Jews have felt throughout the centuries and understanding that this is what Pesach is supposed to mean. It doesn't really matter which came first, it really has, for me at least, given the entire Seder a completely different uh, meaning and a much deeper meaning. Oh, it's beautiful. You know, I especially love, we spend so much time focused on how do we feel the pain of Mitzrayim, we marar, and how do we reenact in our minds what they went through in slavery. And then perhaps, you know, by the end of the Seder, time we get to Halal, we're supposed to be excited just like they were, right? Rambam, we're supposed to lirote tatzma or laharote tatzma, to really feel it. But, you know, Halal's already later, so we sing Halal, and then the rest of the Seder, maybe it's about the future. But what you're, you're trying to explain here is that, it's, that we're living the future and that we are a continuation of the story that began so many years ago. We're part of that story. Right. And I'm almost envisioning how, how your grandchildren are, are, are hearing that. The Pesach story is my story. And like that's Higarat Labincha. This story of Am Yisrael is your story. And all of us living here and perhaps those not yet living here, this is going to be the continuation of that story. Yeah. But uh, I think that's a beautiful perspective on the Haggadah. Thank you for tuning in to the Eretz Tzvi podcast. This was an experimental podcast. I hope you enjoyed the three episodes that we recorded. If you have ideas of podcasts for the future, we're happy to take any suggestions. You can write us at office at yehatzvi.org. That's office at y-e-h-t-z-v-i dot o-r-g. Or you can go to our website, eretzatzvi.org or to our podcast website, eretzpod.org. Look forward to hearing from you in the future.